Today's readings are Romans 15, 4 to 13, and Matthew 3, 1 to 12. They can be found on pages 1049 and 891 on the Bibles next to your seats, as well as on the screen. This is God's word. Romans 15, 4 to 13. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth, so that the promises made to the patriarchs might be confirmed and... Moreover, that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing the praises of your name. Again it says, Rejoice, you Gentiles, with his people. And again, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Let all the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will spring up, one who will arise to rule over the nations. In him the Gentiles will hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Matthew 3, 1 to 12. In those days, John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not think that you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gather his wheat into the barn, and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. The word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. Uh, Not used to this, got to get settled. Turn down just a tad. All right. Pray with me, would you? God, as we sit, may we be settled in to listen. Uh, I pray that these stories, these um, scriptures, these words would um, come alive, that maybe they would set us on a new course and um, invoke change in us. Yeah, only you can do that. So we pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. We're continuing with this idea of welcoming others. I'm calling it radical acceptance. 
I actually read a story recently about a guy named Daryl Davis. Has anyone heard of Daryl Davis? This is Daryl Davis. Take a look. He's a piano player, and he's out of Maryland. And he actually got a gig with his band at this country western bar that was an all-white bar. And um, you can tell there's, there's a little issue there because, you know, there's some awkwardness in the room, but this guy was an awesome piano player. After the gig, a guy comes up to him afterwards and says, I didn't know anyone could play as well as my hero, Jerry Lee Lewis. And he said, I didn't even think a black man could play as well as Jerry Lee Lewis. So Daryl says, well, I want to inform you that Jerry learned how to play this kind of music from black men. And this guy was taken aback. He was like, you know what? I want to buy you a drink. So they sit down. They have this long discussion the rest of the evening. And um, this, this white guy says to him, you know what? I need to confess to you. I've never had a discussion or shared a drink with a black man before. And, and Daryl's like, what are you talking about? And he hands him his card, and he's a member of the Ku Klux Klan. And the story even gets better. I put some pictures up here. Daryl, over the course of time, decides he's going to start befriending KKK members. True story. You need to check it out. He's written a book. He's, he's uh, led seminars on this. And the cool thing about this is he, he starts answering this question that he's had since he was a kid. Why do white people hate me even though they don't even know me? And in a radical way, he starts pursuing friendship and inroads with KKK members. His friends thought he was nuts, right? I mean, these are people that go out of their way to hate a certain type of person. Um, he gets an interview with the chapter leader of the KKK. I don't know what they're called. It's like the Grand Dragon or something like this. And um, this is a great story. You need to read it on your own sometime. But they end up becoming friends. And uh, the guy's like, call me anytime. He gives them this like pass to go to rallies with the KKK. And, and this is one of them, I guess, a picture of a burning cross. I think this is a guy right here. The picture on the left is two of the robes that members turned in and gave to him and said, we're no longer going to do this because we've changed our mind. It's an intense story, including the guy that became the national um, leader of the Ku Klux Klan said, you know what? I was wrong all along about this. And it was a radical story of acceptance. It, it gets even better. Read, check it out for yourself. They say that the chapter in Maryland is defunct. They, they keep trying to restart it but because of his love and friendship, that it just broke down. It's in an amazing way. We're talking about radical acceptance today, uh, something that's transformative, something that changes lives. And the simple scripture today, you can put it up, is simply this out of Romans. You may have missed it. It's so simple that we overlook it. It just says, accept one another as Christ accepted you. We have this mantra at City Life. I didn't pray it, but Mark says it week after week. And I met with him and he said, you know, people bring that up when we meet together. And they say, man, I can really relate. It goes like this. You're more of a mess or you're more broken, right? Then you may care to admit, but at the same time, you're more loved and accepted than you could ever imagine. And he said, that some people even go, how does the second part go? 
Like, man, I can relate to that first part. You know, like, we're a mess. We know that. We've come to that place where we can admit it. But the second part can be forgettable. And I'm saying this is the power in it. Just like this scripture, accept one another as Christ accepted you. As Christ accepted you. This is the punch. This is the power behind our ability to accept. And this is what I want to explore a little bit more today. There's this correlation between your ability to not just accept, you know, there's some nice people in this room. Josiah is a nice guy. Man, he's acceptable. You know, he's, he's an easy guy to accept. Many of you are just, you're, you're friendly, you're welcoming. We do a pretty good job here, you know. I'm about a five on a scale of one to ten, <laughs> you know. But we're talking about the people that are harder to like, you know. I'm not necessarily saying go after the KKK in your life, but I'm saying how do we pursue that welcome, that generous reception? That's another um, translation, by the way. Receive one another or welcome one another as Christ welcomed you. So there's this correlation. Our ability to accept and welcome and receive is directly tied to our understanding, not just cognitively, but in, a, in an experiential, deep way of Christ's acceptance of us. Let me give you an example. I'm a money lender, and I want to lend some money. I thought I'd lend it to some of the kids here. Maybe um, Elijah. So I got 50 cents here. I'm going to lend you 50 cents, all right? All right? And then I've got, I've got, um, I got five hundred thousand dollar bill. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's legal tender, as you can see. Who, who do I want to lend this to? Who do I want to lend to? Do you want to borrow this? You have to give it back. No. She, she's smart. Just so, yeah, but no one wants to lend. Okay. Here, Tommy, I want to lend you $500,000, okay? Okay. Now, over the year... Elijah, you know, buys nothing with 50 cents doesn't go very far anymore. Tommy, what are you going to buy this year? He's going to go to the doctor, get better. He's going to probably buy his first car. He's going to buy candy, whatever he likes, whatever his heart desires. You know, and I know that about you guys, that my kids love to spend money like it's going out of style. And um, it, especially Drew, it goes by fast. Right? <laughs> He's like, Dad, can I borrow 10 bucks? You know, anyway... Um, a year goes by, and um, I know that they've spent their money, and they can't pay it back. And um, so I say to them, you know what, guys? Your debt is clear. You don't have to pay me back. Let me ask you this. Who do you think is more grateful? The guy who borrowed 50 cents or $500,000? What do you think? 50 cents? Yeah, okay. Yeah, so, so the answer is obvious. Jesus actually tells the story when he's at a dinner party. And he says to these um, two Pharisees, these rich guys, he says, he puts it this way, actually. Who do you think loves the lender more? And they're like, well, it's obvious. The guy whose debt was bigger. The cool thing about the, this uh, dinner party is um, these two Pharisees um, are here today. <laughs> what? <laughs> Thank you. 
sell themselves as usual. As you know, Nathan, I do my best. Good wine, good food, good company. The three ingredients for a first-rate dinner party. Best wine I've had <coughs> since that banquet at my cousin's wedding in Cana. <laughs> and the food? <laughs>
capturing you, throw him out. Get rid of, get rid of him. Let me know when you clean this place up. I'm tired of this. A prophet, woman, Mac. <laughs> <laughs> Your sins are forgiven? Sins forgiven? Who is this? If you're not familiar with the story, Luke. Seven um, puts this together, and I thought it'd be way more fun. I can't take any credit for that at all. Good job, guys. Um, Jesus tells this uh, story of the two debtors to the Pharisees. And um, what a great example of this radical welcome. A woman, a prostitute, the town whore, comes into the party and starts um, being dramatic and anointing Jesus and weeping and washing his feet. She should have been thrown out. And Jesus says, no, no, come to me. The punchline in the story goes like this. I tell you, her many sins are forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Do you get that correlation again? Whoever loves little has been forgiven little. Do you think God forgives you just a little bit? And you, maybe a little bit more? Not at all. The point is, she realized the gravity of her debt. This huge debt that's just this rock that's been around her neck was just like cut off. And as a result, she was demonstrative and just started lavishing love on Jesus in this way. And I'd say the same thing is true for acceptance, reception, and welcoming others. Your ability to go beyond yourself to accept and receive people is directly linked to that recognition and experience of God's grace and love and, and welcome in your life. Now, um, the Pharisees, for whatever reason, they didn't think they needed acceptance. They didn't think they needed forgiveness, right? They were justified in their own right. And they were like, who is this guy? Where Jesus says to them, I want to invite you to see yourself like this woman. You are in great need. So there's this uh, recognition of the debt forgiven as well as the gift given. This happened to us a lot when we'd go out to dinner, maybe to uh, a ball game or the movies. It was like I'd spend about, you know, 18 bucks on candy for the kids at the movie. And you know, those huge boxes that are like 12 bucks each. I'm like, here you go. <laughs> you know, they're like, yes, Junior Mints, M&Ms. During the movie, I'm like, Hey, Drew, can I get an M&M? He's like, no, <laughs> no. I'm like, what? I just bought you this huge box. It doesn't happen quite as much anymore, but it's like, can I get that French fry? No, get your own. I'm like, I just bought you this. See what I'm saying? We, ha- we have this almost kid-like in an in a immature way. The sense of, this is mine. I want it for myself. Or, I don't need your grace and forgiveness. And what we're talking about is, it's like grace received equals grace gived, given, or, or being able to impart. And this isn't a, a judgmental thing. And I'd encourage you to not even judge yourself, really. It's, it's, I think Jesus was just making the observation. 
Some people might say he admonished the Pharisees or actually judged them. I'm just saying he, he made this observation. The one who loves little um, hasn't really recognized their, the gravity of their forgiveness or the grace received. So this is the motivation. I want to talk a little bit about some practical things, just in the idea of accepting one another and finding true acceptance. The first thing I just want to acknowledge is that um, acceptance is a, a human basic need. Our need for belonging is, is powerful. Ever since we're kids, we're looking to our parents for that approval and that acceptance, right? And hopefully we get it. You know, The reality is some of us didn't. Uh, my hope and goal is for my kids to, to give that, that non-judgmental, unconditional love. But the reality is they need, to, they need more than that. And, and you see it by their actions, whether they're dyeing their hair, whether they're um, dressing a certain way, whether they need certain shoes all the time. You know, It's that certain thing that's going to help you fit in and help you belong. And you know, we want to give that to them. The sad thing is sometimes we spend the, the bulk of our lives some people to their deathbed looking for that approval and that acceptance. And, um, it, it's a deep longing. It's a powerful need in our life. Um, my parents make fun of me still to this day. I'm 45 years old. And <laughs> I, I made this uh, Pinewood Derby car when I was about eight years old. I was in second grade. I don't know how old I was. You know the Pinewood Derby for Cub Scouts? You get a block of wood, you start making them. And I, they said I'd go to them and say, is my car good? And they said, yeah, your car is great. Keep, keep working on it. I'm sanding it. I'm cutting it, painting it. I go again, is my car good? <laughs> and they're like, yeah, the car is great. I, I, had it, I, I wanted to win this thing, you know. I got second place. And I was like, is my car good? And I'm like, yes, your car is good. Uh, I bought a car a couple of years ago. And I'm like, hey, check out my car. And they're like, my mom, is my car good? You know, <laughs> I'm 45 years old. We still have this need, this longing, you know what I mean, for this, this, this acceptance. And there's a difference between uh, being nice and agreeable and someone looking deep in your eyes and saying, yeah, I love and accept you um, without any strings attached. This is the community I think we want to become or we are becoming. And it's, it's something we need to work on and practice. Again, I'm not throwing rocks. I'm saying we're becoming this and we need... And this is the direction we're heading. We want to um, see how can we look beyond ourselves. I made this list for myself. What, what are the things that I struggle with? Why don't I accept people? I'm talking about the people that are, are hard for me to accept. And I have a, a list of them. And I thought it might be fun just to quickly ask you guys to interact. How do you, what are the barriers for you of accepting or receiving or welcoming people? What's your stumbling block? You don't have to get super vulnerable here, but what, what gets in the way for you? What's the struggle? Too much work. Too much work, yeah. It's exhausting. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. There's, no, there's no wrong answers here. This is just brainstorm session. My agenda to do Yeah, for sure. Say that again? Yeah, you mean us toward them, like... Right. And how are they going to respond, you know? What do you mean? <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. Fear, yeah, can look bad. Yeah, rejection, for sure. 
I just don't, I mean, culturally, I just don't relate to certain people, you know? Yeah, especially when you have kids, exhausted. I, don't, I mean, I got enough work, right? Some of you have little kids, have even more work. Three, four kids. <laughs> yeah. Do you notice Jesus is always on the fringe? It's like Daryl Davis, very Jesus-like figure, making inroads, you know what I mean? Um, befriending people. You know what his nickname was? Jesus? It's kind of a put-down, I think, at the time. It was friend of sinners, specifically tax collectors and sinners. You know, tax collectors were the, were the worst of the worst, right? They were uh, up there with the prostitutes, right? They were the thieves and the cheats and the steals. Jesus was there with the Samaritans, you know, the enemies of the Jews. He was hanging out with the invalids by the pool, the people who were helpless, the, um, the blind, the deaf. The kids were running up to Jesus, and the disciples were like, get them away! And Jesus was like, no, let them come. You know, Jesus was probably the first person in history to say that women mattered. Um, I mean, powerful stuff. Why are you speaking with that woman at the well, Jesus? She matters. The lepers that are, that are put out on the outskirts of the city, they matter. And uh, if we're honest, we'd say, I don't really want to be around those people. Um, they're hard to deal with. I don't speak their language, so to speak. I'm not like them, whether it's skin color, economics, you name it. We have such a great need to be accepted. We sometimes have a hard time giving that out. I had a, um, Probably for me, it wasn't until I hit college. I sought out, and I would say in a, in a divine way, God gave me a, a man that was about five years older than me that really mentored me, walked with me. Um, he knows pretty much everything about me, you know. Michael Coe. Uh, I spoke with him this week. And uh, I would say until that time, not just unconditional love and acceptance, which he demonstrated to me, but he was the guy who showed me how to pursue the source of acceptance, the source of that welcome that we're, we're looking to get so badly. And this is my first challenge. Um, I can't tell you how to do it, how it's going to happen in your life. If you've never had a, a person that walks near you, whether it's a parent, parents can fail you, but people, someone that's going to be able to look you in the eye and say, um, I accept you. And more than that, let me show you how to receive this unconditional acceptance uh, from the source not just from me. And this is an invaluable thing. And, and uh, I think there's people in this room that, that can do that, you know? And I think God will honor that prayer. That's my first thing. Surround yourself with people that, that are non-judgmental. We need that. We need someone that accepts us and that can point you to the source of life in this way. The second thing is, um, and I hope someone's come to your mind as I've been talking you know, I know that we've been like maybe skirting around, but who is it in your life or what type of person maybe that you need to accept? This is the challenge. Who is it? Is it a neighbor, your nosy neighbor? Is it that obnoxious coworker, <laughs> or, you know, or is it that person that, um, that has it out for you, you know? I have a guy in my life that I've spent about 10 years doing business with that were 
transitioning away from one another that um, this is my person that I've been um, learning how to love in a different way, learning how to accept. And um, I'm going to give you a tool in a minute to, to kind of go about this, but who comes to your mind? Who is it that you need to reach out to or take initiative? Some of you, it's just a matter of maybe simply praying for the person. Or, or not speaking badly about them. Some of you, you need to line up a, a coffee date or a, a lunch. Or a friend of mine was saying, uh, he, they've been kind of wrestling with this, um, this couple that started going to their church. Not wrestling with, but um, it's a transgender couple. And um, he was saying, man, I don't know how to talk to my kids about this. It's, it's a different thing for us in our culture. For, for them in particular, they're, out, they're in Michigan. And uh, he says he came home one day, and um, there they were. And his wife said, hey, l- we invited them over for dinner. <laughs> you know, and it was like, boom, here you go, right in your face. You know? And uh, thank God for our wives. You know? Sometimes they pull us out of our comfort zone, or friends that really push you. Actually, I was thinking about this too. Um, we, um, we housed a family for a couple of weeks. It was not that big a deal, but... I bet you that if it was up to me, I would have probably said, you know what, let's, let's help them find, I would have put out that notice, who has housing for this family, <laughs> you know, and two dogs, and a little baby, um, and my wife said, they should stay with us, and um, that was difficult. Some of you need to push yourself in this way, to extend that welcome and that, that acceptance. Um, you'll start learning as you do. It does get messy. But um, think of that person. I'd say write it down. Start praying for that person. This is how, and this is the tool that I want to give you in closing, is just this, um, it's a simple form of prayer. It's kind of like a mantra, like the mantra we have. Is it safe to say it's a mantra? More than a mess, more loved and accepted than we can ever imagine. And this is a, a fourth century prayer discipline. Have you heard of the Hezekists? They're the desert fathers they also call it breath prayer, and they use this prayer called the Jesus Prayer out of Scripture. Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And it's able to be said in one breath and repeated over and over. And some of you are probably going, this is kind of strange. or kind of What is he going to have me do right now? Relax. Just take a deep breath. We're going to do one breath. <laughs> Here, here's how I've been taught. You, um, you listen and try to let God help you form this prayer. Or it might even be something that's in you right now. And the direction that has helped me is, in this case, uh, something that's kind of an inward thing and then an outward thing. Let me give you an example. So in our context, here's an example. I'm loved and accepted. Empower me to accept others. I'm loved and accepted. Empower me to accept others. Or, I receive your welcome. Let your grace flow through me. You might think it's a little corny or repetitive, and it is. At least the repetitive part. I would say this has changed my life. It's something that, it's like these words manifest themselves in you. For this co-worker, this ex-business partner. I've literally woken up in the middle of the night over the last six months to a year with uh, anxiousness and stress. And, um, and I've utilized this breath prayer to pray myself back to sleep. 
And, and here's the thing. My attitude toward this guy, my um, ability to care for him, um, not just make money, <laughs> but to, to really genuinely speak well, highly, to transition even away from him, has, I would say, is rooted in this sense that I can pray um, for this guy and for myself at the same time. I wrote one more down. I'm secure in you. Someone said security earlier. It's hard to reach out when you're insecure. You don't know who you are. I'm secure in you. Love others through me. I want to just take a minute of silence. Feel free to steal one of these prayers. Use our mantra. Use the scripture. I'm accepted by you. Help me accept others. We're just going to take it 30 seconds. God, show us, give us a prayer that can sink in. is for the young people too. There are people in your school, there's people at your work, there's people all around us that, um, God, we confess that we have a hard time accepting. We want to be a people that loves unconditionally. Your love is towards everyone. We want to be inclusive. We want to be empowering. We want to be um, inviting. We want you to... Um, to change our hearts and change the lives around us. We want to live in a world that's, that's better because of it. We want to be a part of this movement. So God, we admit that we can't do it on our own and that only you can, can spring forth this kind of acceptance, this radical kind of acceptance. So we ask that you do that in us and through us. In the name of Jesus, amen.